We're looking at Matthew chapter 2 today. We're looking at that here. We're also excited that uh, Pastor Ryan is at, at Palmyra today, preaching up there, and he's also walking through this passage. Palmyra, as you remember, we started two services up there last week. Uh, we had 131 in attendance up there last Sunday, which is a great day. And they did two services, one at 9 and 1030, like we're doing here at Central Campus. And uh, we're, this is the second week, so we've been praying through that, inviting people. We believe that's just a great a great opportunity to reach more people with the light of Jesus in our community in southern Indiana. So I hope you'll be praying about that and considering and finding new ways to encourage that. Well, if you have your Bible, whether it's in front of you or whether it's in the pew in front of you that you're using or on your phone or your iPad, we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be reading some of this. I'll read uh, several of the verses, and then we'll talk about these verses and really try to make more application of what these verses are because you know these verses already. You've heard this story a few times. Uh, we sing about it at the Christmas. So we're not going to necessarily walk through all the story itself. We'll try to look at it in a, in a bigger piece, and then we'll try to make some strong application into what this may mean into your life. I think a lot of people are really seeking after the light. It's interesting to look around and talk to people and try to understand where they are, but there are a lot of people who are looking for something, right? They're looking for something in their life. And we believe as a church and as a followers of Christ that that's something they're looking for, for first and foremost is Jesus. He is the answer to so many needs and so many problems of life. And so our desire, our hope as a church, and our hope, that's your hope too, that we are pointing people to the light in order that they might see that the light of the world is Christ, and they might find the things we're going to talk about today inside that. They might find direction in that for their life. They might find confidence in that for their life. They might find goodness of who the Lord is by looking at the light. And we're going to talk about those this morning as we look at this text together. So if you have the Bible in front of you, the text in front of you, Matthew chapter 2, we'll start our read starting at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him, and he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law. He asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judah, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out where from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said to them, Go, make a careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense, frankincense, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country, to their country, by another route. Well, you've heard this story before. You recognize the story of these kings, these magi from the east. 
Most of the time, historically, we recognize that the East really is from Babylon or probably the Persian Empire. The wise men, as we know them, were called Magi. That was their, really their title. They were not just some made-up group of wise men. They were a group of men who lived in an era from the Babylonian period all the way through, we find in the New Testament. And their focus was really on a lot of things in advising the king. They were very wise, and from the understanding that they were scientists, astrologists, they were lawyers, they were doctors, they were physicians, they knew medicine, they knew so many things. And they were a whole group of men who learned all these things, all the things about art, science, history, everything that we know, that they were the most educated of all the ones who were in the court of the king, especially the king Nebuchadnezzar. And here, as a matter of fact, history would tell us that most of the Magi were so involved with history that no one was going to become king of Babylon unless they were appointed by the Magi. So they were very, very important men. And because of that importance, they were always looking at what was going on around them. Now, it's interesting in this passage that these men, we don't really know how many of them. We always say three, right, because there were three gifts. And so it's always Pictured in everything we see are these three wise men. I remember as a little kid growing up in Eastern Kentucky, we had a one-room church. It was really just one room that will hold maybe maybe a hundred people, you know, maybe something like that. And there were two little Sunday school rooms in the very front of the building. But I remember as a little kid, every year we had a Christmas celebration, you know, where we would actually come to the church in the evening and we would sing together carols and and would act out the Christmas story. I remember most of my growing up years being either a shepherd, you know, or one of the wise men. And of course, we didn't have really fancy costumes or anything like that. I remember this one year, I don't know why it sticks out in my mind, but my dad had a blue terracloth uh, house coat, right? So I got to wear that, and I was a shepherd. And I remember mom making this little crown that I was supposed to wear. The greatest thing about that time was actually the end of it because we were all given this little brown sack of hard candy to take home, you know, and that was a, that was a joy. And that was, that's why we did everything. And, of course, to get the candy, right? That was, that was the end result of that. But maybe you remember that. Maybe you had that kind of experience. But we've all seen the wise men and always accounted for three of them. Well, the Bible didn't teach us that. Um, probably there were a lot of men who came, mostly men who were traveling together in this caravan from the east, from Persia, from Babylon, in order to get to Jerusalem, in order to find the one they were looking for. So it was probably a group of them. It was a, it was a long distance they had to camp every night. That's, they were living under the stars. Not uh, anything new for them because they were stargazers. They were astronomers. They watched the stars. They understood all that. But they probably traveled not in uh, just, a, you know, just a really laid-back kind of way or a poor kind of way because they were rich. So they probably had people setting up all their tents for them and making all their food for them. But it was a long process, and that really tells us how long Yet it probably was a few months, maybe even up to a year, uh, because here we find in this passage that Jesus was not in the stable anymore. Uh, he was in a house. They came to the house where the light was over them. And in the house, they found Jesus, of course. So the stable had been moved away from, so it probably some months had passed. And they had moved into a house somewhere in Bethlehem. They had not gone back to Nazareth. You remember that's where Joseph and Mary came from, to Bethlehem because they had to do the census, and, but when they got there, for whatever reason, they stayed. They were living in Bethlehem when these magi show up to find them. 
Imagine I first come, as we find in this passage, to Jerusalem. They would assume that the king and everyone in Jerusalem, being the center of everything, would know about this one who was been born, who was the king of the Jews, right? They would just assume that everybody would know about this. Well, to their dismay, surprise, whatever, they found out that actually no one knew about this one who had been born king of the Jews. How did these wise men, these magi from the east, know about what was happening? They were studying the stars. Somehow God gave them this special revelation. Well, that is true. Uh, Some would even say that the word that's used for star in this passage is really not what we understand as the star, a a gas in in the air. It really has to do with the great light. It could have been a star. Some theologians say it wasn't really a star. It was really the glory of God, that the glory of God was so bright in the sky just for these who were going to follow because the star seems to show up again, right? They get to Herod. They need to find out where it is. Uh, They tell him it's Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, the star would appear. The word really is the word for great light. A great light appeared. Some would say that it was the glory of God that was showing these magi where Jesus is going to be. So the glory of God, which makes sense to me, the glory of God was over the house where Jesus would be. That would be God's glory in the house, but it would also be over the house, but nevertheless, these magi continue that journey. But how did they know to be looking for this star? Well, again, most historians would say that it really had to do with Daniel. You'll remember the story of Daniel in the Old Testament, the prophet Daniel, uh, the fact that Daniel was carried into Babylon because of the, of the siege of Jerusalem, and he was in Babylon, and he was wise. Remember that story, possibly. Daniel was the guy who told the king his dreams. Nebuchadnezzar didn't know how uh, to interpret some dreams. None of the magi could interpret those dreams, but Daniel did. And if you read the Old Testament, Daniel becomes a leader, and most historians would say that he became the leader of the magi. He became the leader of the wise men. Now, what do you think Daniel was teaching them? Well, I think he was teaching them his history, his Old Testament understanding of the Messiah and the Messiah going to come in order to make an impact in the world. He was teaching them from the understanding from a, a one God. Matter of fact, historians believe that these magi were people who moved from the idea of worshiping many gods to worshiping one God. So they were monotheistic. They were looking for one God. They were looking for the Messiah. Where did they get that? Probably from Daniel, who had taught them the Old Testament. Well, enough history lesson this morning, because let's look at the passage of what it says, because that's, that's really why we're here, right? What the Bible teaches us today out of this passage. And there are three things that I want to talk about. First, is kind of the big picture of what we're looking at today, is this the wonder of the light is going to guide us through life. The wonder of the light is going to guide you through life. And there are three things that I want to say about that as we look at this passage and try to make application to our lives. Because again, I think we know the story. We've read the story before. It's not new to us. So how does it apply to us? Well, the light is going to guide us through light. We're all looking for some guidance. We're all looking for how we're going to walk through the things that are around us. Life is uh, difficult at best sometimes. There are problems around us. Our nation is in 
uh, a great turmoil. If you've watched the stuff this week, the, the world is in great turmoil. The, the, the persecution of Christians that are growing around the world, the needs around the world, all those things that are there. And so as believers, as followers of Christ, we are looking for Christ to guide us through life. So how does this story teach us that? Well, the first thing I think it does is it helps us to understand the gifts that God has given to us, right? Because this really is about gifts that these men bring to Jesus. That's at least one of the things it's talking about. So what are some gifts out of this passage that he gives to us in this? Well, I think the first gift that I would mention today is the gift that he gives us direction. He gives us direction in the darkness of confusion. He gives us direction in the darkness of confusion. I think we are in a, in a state, a place, a, a system, things that are going on around us that are very confusing. Now, I don't know if it's just in your life or if it's in my life or it's in people around us, in your family, in your friends. I think there's great confusion in our world about who Christ is. There's obviously the opposition to Christ. There's confusion about the fact that he can give life. There's confusion in our country politically. There's confusion in our country in economics and emotions. There's confusion about marriage and relationships. Relationships. There are lots of confusing things around us. Now, you may see that as a big picture of what's confusing, but I believe that in this room, there are people, individuals, you, that are confused about things too. There's confusion going on in your life. There's problems that you don't know how to deal with. There's situations that are before you that you're not sure of. And in the middle of that confusion, what you're really looking for is direction, Right? a direction on, on where God has taken us. Now, I've taken that thought, and I want to give you four things under this first point here that says that we're looking for this direction in the confusion of darkness. What does this direction mean to us? Well, first of all, I think it means it has a lot to do with who you become, not the path you're following. Sometimes we get on our path and we, we just want to go a direction that's all about the direction of the path. But really, I believe here, the understanding, even from these wise men, it was about what God was doing in their life, what they were becoming. They were becoming men who were going to be leaders, men who were more focused on finding the Messiah, men who were going to, in some point, as we find later in this passage, who, who surrender themselves, who worship Jesus, right? So it was becoming worshipers as a part of this. So the direction that we're looking for is what we're becoming in our lives in Christ, what we're becoming as we follow Christ, what we're becoming as we, as we really surrender ourselves to him. When we're looking for direction in life, we're looking for guidance in life, what we're looking for is to become more like him, right? That's what we're, that's what we're hoping for as followers of Christ. Now, obviously, if you're not a follower of Christ, it's going to be difficult to become like him. The first step is becoming a follower of Christ. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But this understanding that if we're going to follow him, that becoming like him, becoming who we are in him, is really of greater value than the path that we're following. Now, I agree that most people are looking for the path. They're looking for God's will. They talk about that. They're looking for what he is leading them to do. But really, I think the greater point is what he's leading us to become. And what he's leading us to become, according to Scripture, is to be more like him. The second thing under this first point is this direction also has a lot to do with the journey, not just the end of the trip. 
Oftentimes, most of us are thinking toward the final moment, the final destination. You know, you got your GPS in the car and you got it on your phone and you got it and you're making all the turns and, and, and we're really thinking about the end result. I believe the wise men, the magi were there too. I think what they were looking at was the end result of where they were going to go. Yet in the middle of that, like in all of our lives, the journey through all these things, the journey through the systems, the problems, the confusion, everything we go through, the journey is what we learn from. The journey is where we gain wisdom. The journey is where we gain more knowledge about who Christ is and who we are. It's the journey, the bumps along the road that teach us, the valleys that we go through, that we have to live through, the problems that we encounter every day. It's the journey that gets us to the place where we're becoming more like him. It's not the, it's just the end result. As, as followers of Christ, as believers, we know the end result, right? We know that heaven is the end result for us. We believe that wholeheartedly, that eternal life is awaiting us. So, so we're not looking for the end results, we're trying to figure out how to get through the journey. And that's what I think the wise men are teaching us. Now, one of the ways they do that is the third point that I would bring out to us, that the direction has a lot to do with following that's based on the word of God, not based on our wants from God. Following direction has more to do with as we follow from the word of God than following from the wants that we have of God. Because all of us want things for God. We want God to do something. We want God to, to provide this or provide that or to give us something. But really what we have is the word of God. And so when we're looking for direction that's going to guide us, our wants are not what should be guiding us. It's the word of God that should be guiding us. Now, these wise men, these magi from the east, they saw the star in the east and they were following, or they saw the star, and they were following after the star. Who was this one who was going to be born king of the Jews? How did they know all of that? We've mentioned that already, because they had heard about the word of God. They had heard about Jesus. They had heard about the Messiah through his word and from his word, and that's true for us. So it's the word of God that directs us. We look for direction. We look for guidance in a lot of places, yet it's the word of God, not the wants from God, that allow us to walk through the journey out of the darkness with a greater understanding of our own lives and a greater understanding of the direction that we need to go. Fourth, out of this, out of this first section, direction in the darkness of confusion, the fourth thing, direction has a lot to do, has everything to do really, with our salvation instead of our being successful. Because most of our lives, we are trying to be successful with things. We're trying to be successful in what we do, in our work, in our family, all those things. Yet, the Magi were men who were going to find this Messiah, not because they needed to be successful, because they were. But they were going to find this Messiah because they were looking for salvation. They were looking to understand what it meant to have a relationship to God in a deeper way. And I believe there are people all around you, in your family, in your workplace, in your school, wherever you are, that are seeking God. And they're seeking God and they're looking to you in order to be the one who helped them to understand the direction in their life so that in that direction, they might recognize salvation that is found in Christ. 
let's hurry to point number two. Point number one was by giving us direction in the darkness of confusion, and it focused on the Magi. Point number two has to do with by giving us the gift of goodness, the gift of goodness in the darkness of evil. And that really is a focus on Herod in this passage. Herod was an evil man. History tells us Herod was an evil man, not Bible history, but outside of Bible history and early ancient writers. Herod was a man who killed his family, who killed his siblings, who killed probably his parents in order to gain more power, more wealth. He was willing to to put anybody to death. We see that after the Magi left, you remember? And Herod says, I want you to go all over the area and kill all the children under two years old. He, He didn't care. He was an evil man, right? So we know that this evilness in his and in Herod's life is really no different from today. There's this, there's this darkness, the evil around us. We live with a lot of evil. We live with a lot of brokenness. We live with a lot of stuff in the world. The, the Bible would teach us that Satan is like a roaring lion. Uh, Matthew teaches us that there are false prophets around us everywhere. So we begin to understand that, that the evil is everywhere around us. They were, it was nothing new from this passage from this first century. Yet in the, in the middle of that, the Magi understand the goodness of God. How do we know that? Well, they were, they were seeking the Messiah, and they brought gifts. They brought these gifts in order to give to Jesus because they wanted to give the best of what they had. They wanted to give the good things unto him. Well, it's no different than what the Father wants to do for you. In the middle of evil and darkness, in the middle of problems and all the things around us, the Bible teaches us that God is good to us. He is the perfect God, the the one of the Father of lights who who has given good things for his children. Jesus talked about it. Why would you give a snake or why would you give something evil to your child that you love? You you wouldn't, of course. It's Christmas time. We're giving the best gifts that we can afford, right? The most that we can do is what we want to do. We want to give out of the goodness of, of our lives. And that's true for God. In the middle of the darkness that you are in, the evil that's around you, the struggles that you might be going through that is temptation and sin and problem, where do you find God's goodness of grace and forgiveness and love? Through Jesus. Through the one who loved you so much that he died on the cross in order to pay for your sin, in order to give you that eternal life that we desire, that we want in order to bring into our life the the void of, of joy and peace that we had, but to be able to fill that void with who he is. That's the goodness of Jesus in our life. He is a good God. God so loved the world so much that he gave who? Jesus, the goodness, so that we can experience goodness over evil. And this story just allows us to see that. Matter of fact, the last part of it, when, when God spoke to these, these men and said, don't even go back to Herod because he, he is evil. He's the one doing all these bad things. I'm going to give you a different direction. God is all about giving you a direction that's right for your life. And that's who he is. It's what he wants from us. Let's go to point number three as we conclude today. Point number three, the wonder of the light that is guiding us He gives us direction in the darkness as we look at confusion. He gives us goodness in the darkness of evil. He gives us the gift of confidence in the darkness of uncertainty. He gives us the gift of confidence in the darkness of uncertainty. This passage, more than anything else, I believe, has this 
this whole feeling of uncertainty about it. It starts off with these men from the east, the Magi, not really knowing where they're going. They're uncertain about direction. They're, they're just following some light. Where is it taking them to? And they get to Jerusalem, and they think everybody should know about this one born king of the Jews, and, and nobody does. Talk about uncertain. How would you come to a place of a kingdom where no one knew that a new king was born? Then they go to Herod, who ought to know everything, and the chief priests and all the wise men of that country, and they don't know. They have to search Scripture in order to find it. And then instead of an entourage from the king taking them, which you find very interesting, the king just almost, Herod almost says, well, I don't think this is really real, but we're just going to send you guys off to do this. Talk about his own uncertainty of believing. And then here we find them going and finding Christ to that certainty of who he is. But in the middle of that, there's Mary. They saw the child with Mary. Now I wonder, and, and as I read that, what, what was Mary's understanding of uncertainty either, right? Was, was she uncertain about what was going to happen? Why were they living in Bethlehem? What were they doing there? Where were they going to go? Well, we, we know the end of that story. We know they're going to head off to Egypt because of what Herod's going to do in his evilness. And we know that because of these gifts that these, these guys bring, that they're going to be able to fund their trip, have money to live, do all that, that they need because now they'll have the resources to do that. They, they didn't have all those resources. They were so uncertain in the time as Mary was. Now, I find that no different than most of us. We're uncertain sometimes about life, about health, about finances, about what we're going to do, about where we're going to go, about direction, about all these things that are in life, right? We, we just are uncertain about all these things. And in the middle of this uncertainty, God provides to them an understanding that brings great confidence into their lives. And I think that's a great part of this passage, I think a great part of this passage is understanding that these magi who were uncertain, who came to Herod, who was uncertain, who came to Mary, who was uncertain, is the understanding that in the middle of that, God is about giving the confidence into their lives to keep on the journey, to keep moving toward Jesus. And I think that's what he does for you. I think in times of complete uncertainty in our families, complete uncertainty about what's going on, complete uncertainty about our marriages, complete uncertainty about our health, our issues. I believe in the middle of all those uncertainties, God is moving you and wants you to have the confidence to move closer and closer to him, not farther and farther away. I believe he wants you to have the confidence in who he is in you and the goodness that he has for you and what he has in store for you, that he wants you to move closer and closer and closer to him. I believe he wants you in the middle of your uncertainty of what path to take, which direction to go, what to do, to take that uncertainty of that issue and to move closer and closer to him, knowing, knowing that he is about guiding you. That's what he's doing here, right? Whether it's a star made out of gas or whether it's the glory of God, which I tend to love that idea, whatever it is that's leading these men is the same light of the world that leads us. Man, I find, that, I find that a wonderful thing. I find that the reason to get up every day. I find that the reason to have the confidence to walk into issues and problems and struggles of life. I hope you do too. Because as believers, I think that's what God has called us to. 
I think as followers of Christ, he's called us to have that kind of confidence, not in ourselves, because we don't have the ability, right? We don't have, we do not have the ability to do that. It is not on us, but he has given us the light of the world. He has given us the light that makes the difference. He has given us the light to show us the way. He has given us the light that's going to give us direction. He has given us the light that's going to be giving us good things in our life. He has given us the light that's going to give us the confidence that we need to live out this journey. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, it's going to be hard for you to understand that. It's going to be hard for you to recognize what it means to be on that journey because the first place you have to begin is with just the understanding of salvation and the fact that Christ has died on the cross, rose from the dead so that you could have life. Talk about something to give us confidence. The fact that we worship a Savior who is alive because he lives, because he is at work in our life, because he is at work guiding us when it's dark when it's confusion, when it's evil, when we don't have a clue of where we're going, because he is at the role of doing that in our lives. When you get to this last verses, the wise men came to the place where they were just worshiping and surrendering. If you do find the app, the second point of my sermon is actually on that app. We just got through the first point today because it really does have to do with the fact that we worship. We bring ourselves to surrender to him. That's what worship is. Bowing ourselves to him and to who he is. Surrendering our lives to the light. Why do we surrender? Because he is the one who gives us direction. He is the one who guides us out of his goodness. He is the one who gives you the confidence to take the next step on the journey.